Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, Explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 180 of the podcast. It's the 12th of June, 2019, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a great conversation with Nick Bergson Shilcock. He shares about his experience growing up on schooling, and then we dive into what he's doing now, which is creating a self-directed learning environment for adults who want to take some time to immerse themselves in learning about programming. It's really interesting stuff. But before we get into it, I just want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support not only lets me know that you enjoy the show and want it to continue, it's integral to helping me freely share the podcast's growing archive of information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Nick. Welcome. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Nick Berkson Shilcock. Hi, Nick. Hi, Pam. <laughs> so in a nutshell, Nick grew up on schooling and now runs the Reeker Center in New York. <laughs> now, I suspect there are a whole bunch of stories in between those two points, and I'm thrilled he agreed to come on the podcast to share a few of them. So to get us started, Nick, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Absolutely. Um, so I am a lifelong unschooler. I'm also the youngest of four. Um, I grew up in, in the suburbs of Philadelphia, uh, with three older sisters. All four of us were unschooled our whole lives. Uh, in fact, actually two of my sisters now have, uh, between them six kids. I have six nieces and nephews who are all now unschooled. Wow. Um, and my parents came to unschooling pretty early, uh, in the mid to late 1970s. Um, and actually around that time also started a resource center for, homeschoolers and unschoolers and their families, uh, which continues to this day, uh, called Open Connections. Um, and so that was a major part of my life. Uh, but my parents did a pretty good job of really, from the earliest ages, supporting my sisters and me in our interests and uh, getting to learn how to direct our own education and explore uh, what we really enjoyed doing in life. That's awesome. So yeah, it'd be great to hear a little bit about what you enjoyed doing. What were some of your bigger interests growing up and how did you pursue them at the time? Yeah. So uh, for a long, uh, an early period of my life, I really just enjoyed playing outside. Uh, you know, I built a log cabin and played in the woods with my friends. Um, and I always really enjoyed building things. And then around the age of, I think about 10, I discovered that I could also build things on computers. Uh, initially, I was um, really interested in video games. 
And so I, my first things that I wanted to do were learn how to program and, and build my own computer games, um, which started really just playing around with a, an old Apple IIe that I, I got at a garage sale for $20 or something and starting to just explore that system on my own. Um, and then in before too long, I realized that I actually enjoyed the programming even more than uh, just the video games. Uh, and so my interest shifted towards both programming and also a lot of digital electronics. And that was an interest that stuck with me throughout uh, my whole preteen years and teen years, all the way up through college and, and now continues to my work at uh, the Recur Center. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what? I love hearing... Uh, all sorts of stories um, of people who are interested in video games. But what I love is the different ways they take it. Like, so for you, you discovered your interest in programming through the window mm -hmm. of video games. I've heard other people discover an interest in travel, right? Because they wanted uh -huh. to travel to all these lands far away. And they, you know, traveled from North America to Europe, you know, as, as part of, that ethos that they really enjoyed of video games. Um, my son, through video games, discovered a love of the story, right? Oh, so, yeah. So he's actually mm -hmm. gone into story development and writing and, and that kind of stuff. And, and you know, then there's, there's the art, there's the music, there's the actually programming video games themselves. But, you know, that's not just the only thing you can do through an interest in video games, is it? <laughs> No, absolutely. Uh, I think it's a, a good example where a genuine interest or something that you really care about um, and want to learn more about can really lead you almost anywhere. I love that. Yeah, it's like it's like a window to the whole world that just happens to be the lens through which um, you're you're interested, the lens through which you're seeing things at the time. But it doesn't it doesn't close you down. Like people are so worried about an interest in video games you know, worried about their kids. Um, but that really can be a window to exploring so much of the world. I love that. <laughs> so I would also love to hear the origin story behind the Recurse Center. Why did you want to start a company that helps people learn more about programming? Sure. Uh, well, just to, to start, um, I'll give a little quick overview of kind of what RC looks like and is today. And then I'll step back and kind of walk through how we got there um, or here. Uh, so RC is a um, self-directed, community-driven retreat for programmers. Uh, so what that means is people come from all over the U.S. and also all over the world to spend either one, six, or 12 weeks in what is both a highly self-directed but also highly collaborative environment focused on open source software and becoming uh, dramatically better programmers. Um, and people uh, come from a really wide range of backgrounds and skill levels. So we have people here everywhere from self-taught programmers who have only been programming for, for six or eight months to uh, professional programmers who have been working for, you know, three decades um, and everywhere in between. Uh, but everyone is united by the fact that they're all smart, friendly, uh, intellectually curious people who are self-directed, who enjoy programming, and who want to take kind of a, a personal and professional sabbatical to get dramatically better, regardless of how advanced they already are. Um, and so that's kind of the, the first half of RC is it's this in-person re programming retreat um, uh, based here in New York City. Uh, and then after people attend the retreat, um, our motto is never graduate. 
And that's because we think learning is a lifelong process. Uh, and so people typically remain heavily involved in our community long after their one or six or 12 weeks here uh, at the retreat. Um, and in fact, the majority of everyone who's ever come to RC over the last now almost about eight years remains active and involved in the community on at least a, a monthly basis. Um, and so people remain active and involved both online and, and in person in our community. Um, and that's the kind of the first half of it. Um, and what's tied into that is how we actually have this uh, be sustainable, which is RC is free for everyone to participate in. Um, so we don't charge any tuition or fees or anything else. Uh, and instead we're funded exclusively through recruiting. So if anyone in our community ever wants a new programming job, either right after attending the retreat or two, three, five years down the line, we work closely with them to understand their, their background, their skills, their interests, what they want in the next step of their career, and then try to match them with a good um, recruiting partner. Uh, so we work with a set of uh, tech companies who, who pay basically RC to hire our alumni. Um, and that's what funds all of our operations of the retreat. And it also allows us to provide uh, need-based living expense grants to people uh, from groups that are traditionally underrepresented in programming. Uh, so we actually offer, in addition to providing the program for free for everyone, we also offer grants up to $7,000 um, to people to pay for everything from uh, living expenses like you know childcare or food or transportation or, or lodging uh, during their time uh, here in New York. Since uh, RC is free to attend, but living in New York is is, is obviously very expensive. Um, so that's a that's like a high level overview of what RC looks like today. Uh, what's interesting is that when we started in 2010, um, we set out to build a very different type of company. Uh, our initial idea was to build OkCupid for jobs. We were actually trying to build a um, a recruiting software business. Uh, to do algorithmic matching of people with programming jobs. And we spent about a year on that and related ideas, trying to build software to help companies hire really great programmers. And again and again, we ran into the problem that really the, the challenge was not as much with the matching as it was with, it's just really hard to find great programmers in the world and they're just not ah. And at the same time, uh, my co-founders and I have been discussing how you know, we'd like to kind of start a new type of uh, kind of programming education and community that we had wished that we had had for ourselves. And then it dawned on us, um, this was about a year into the company almost, that, um, that we could combine these things and we didn't have to wait to do the latter. Um, and so we ran an experiment where we invited just a half a dozen people basically to sit in a room that uh, we got donated by NYU. Uh, and we all worked on open source software together. We collaborated, everyone explored what they were interested in. Um, and at the end of that summer, everyone felt like they had really grown a lot and gotten a lot out of the experience. Um, and we realized that it was kind of the first thing that we had built that people really loved. And so even though it wasn't a piece of software, uh, we decided that that's the thing that we should focus on building. And then, so for the last eight years, we've just kind of continued expanding that um, of, of building RC from that initial kind of half a dozen people uh, sitting in a room together to our current space here in Brooklyn, which is uh, across two floors. And we have now about uh, 1,400 alums from 
uh, more than 50 countries around the world. Wow. <laughs> I get that is, I love the story of, of how you came to it, right? You guys started with what you thought would be helpful and discovered what the real, the underlying kind of issue or challenge was. Um, so you dug deeper into that, those roots and, and started playing, just tried out a way to start addressing that and found that, uh, and people were really receptive to that. So that's really cool. But yeah, I really love the description of, of what you guys are doing and how you've set it up. Um, it sounds really inviting and what a great way for people to connect who are interested in learning and interested in the same topic, right? I mean, obviously interested in programming. Um, I love how RC is steeped in unschooling and, you know, self-directed learning. <laughs> and when I was checking out your website, I laughed when you had a John Holt quote on your about page. I thought that was awesome. So just to share the quote with people, learning is not the product of teaching. Learning is a product of the activity of learners. So what kind of inspired you to choose that self-directed environment rather, you know, because when, when it's like, oh, geez, um, the issue is real, finding really good programmers. Um, I know you grew up unschooling and your parents had that resource center, but usually most people out there would be expecting kind of a teaching environment. So I was interested in how uh, you were inspired to or decided to go in this direction. Yeah, well, I mean, I think fundamentally it comes back to wanting to build the thing that, that we want for ourselves. Um, and so uh, that kind of just makes it kind of, it, it's, it would almost be unconscionable for me to imagine building a different type of environment. Um, you know, I think I consider myself a lifelong unschooler. I don't feel like that, that, that something changed when I turned 18 and that the ideas that um, make self-directed uh, education uh, and non-course of education um, better. I don't think that those, those stop being true at any given point in life. Um, and I think it's interesting. There are, you know, I think a lot of the core beliefs of, of the traditional school system, when you, when you look at them kind of in, in uh, you know, really directly, they, they don't make any sense. Um, and, uh, you know, the idea that there's a, a set of things that everyone should know or that there is a, a date by which people ought to, to learn them or that, um, that there are specific times uh, either of the day or of the year or in your life that you must learn a specific topic um, or that, you know, somebody can measure the, uh, the contents of somebody else's head to, you know, three decimal points in a, in a EPA, right? Um, they're all kind of, I think, absurd ideas and yet, almost universally subscribed to. Um, and I think they're just as absurd in the rest of our lives as in, uh, as in, you know, our youth. And in fact, I think it's, it's another kind of absurd idea from the public school system or just the school system in general to even split those things up, uh, to suggest that there needs to be some hard line between, uh, you know, childhood and the rest of life as though, uh, childhood is not part of life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so those things remain just as true uh, for fully grown adults who continue to need to learn and evolve uh, and develop themselves. Um, so if you're, you know, 
uh, one a successful person in the business world, there's not some uh, limited specific set of things that everyone must must know. In fact, if you want to do something novel or or, um, or new or important, uh, almost certainly you'll need to know or figure out some things that perhaps few or nobody else knows. That's really the important thing. Yeah. Um, and so in setting up the kind of basic kind of premise and structure of RC, um, it just felt very natural that, of course, people ought to be in charge of their own education. And I think that's actually one of the most important things that people get from their time at RC is having experience in a genuinely self-directed environment. Um, while we've had a, a handful of folks come to RC who had uh, been unschooled for some or all of their lives, most people who come to RC are coming from, you know, working, uh, you know, working day jobs that aren't fully self-directed or, um, and almost always, uh, you know, somewhere between 12 and 20 years of, uh, cool. of uh, not very self-directed uh, schooling, you know, whether it's just through primary or, or undergraduate or graduate degrees. Um, and so for almost everyone who comes to RC, this is a real struggle um, in that RC is for many people the first time in their lives when they really are in control of deciding what they're going to learn, how they're going to learn it, why they want to learn it, why it's important to them, and how they're going to assess their own progress without you know, somebody else telling them, oh, this is the thing that's important, or oh, you're failing, or oh, you're succeeding, and having to figure that out for themselves. Um, and I think for a lot of people, that's a big challenge. Uh, but working through that struggle, uh, and actually to use a term that um, uh, a, a former colleague, uh, Michael Nielsen, uh, coined of uh, developing your volitional muscles. Um, and the idea that, uh, you know, that struggle or, or kind of floundering of trying to figure out your path is actually a valuable activity because you're developing your volitional muscles. You're, you're getting kind of stronger at that capacity. Uh, and so obviously, you don't want to leave people to just flounder endlessly, but also some of that is is super important and valuable so that people can actually work through that and, and figure out how to actually direct themselves. Yeah, no, that's really fascinating to me because when you think about how how adults learn, like you were saying, um, you know, when we're following our interests as adults, this is how we learn, right? We dive in, we try things out, we you know, it's, it's almost, it's, it's unschooling per se. Right. And because that's how humans learn best. Right. And so, um, that path for someone who's grown up unschooling continues. Like there's like you said, there's no change all of a sudden once you turn 18, right. This is lifelong learning. This is the way humans learn. But yeah, to so many of the people who come to the retreat, they will have grown up in, in the school system and then, you know, maybe gone on to um, a work environment that, that um, uses that same ethos, right? Where you have, you have the job, you have your job description, you do it, you know, you do that programming and then you go home, right? Where you can then pursue your interests. So yeah, I would be really interested to hear how you guys give them that space for the floundering, um, but also help them get used to and participate in and get something of value out of this, this new kind of environment for them. 
Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, that process starts even before people get to RC. Yeah. Um, you know, in our admissions process and in what we kind of write publicly to, um, you know, to attract people to apply to our retreat is that we want people coming here because they are making an explicit choice to be here. So, um, for instance, we don't grant degrees or certificates because we don't want people coming here to put something impressive on their resume or uh, because of some sort of proxy like that. We want them coming here because they genuinely want to be here and and grow as programmers. Um, Similarly, through our... um, our admissions process, we look for signs that people um, are uh, can operate in self-directed environments um, to some extent, and that they have specific things that they ways in which they want to learn, things that they want to um, explore uh, or improve about their kind of programming interests or abilities, um, and that people have gotten up to a point in their programming where. Um, RC can be a really valuable asset to them. Um, so then once people are here, uh, right at the start, we focus really the, the, our priority for the first day and, and for some of the first week at RC is in welcoming people to RC, helping them get acclimated to the physical and kind of intellectual and social environment here, getting to know people, feel um, kind of secure in their position in, uh, in the community. Um, so that people can uh, be more confident in that struggle of figuring out what they're trying to do and, and why they're trying to do it. Um, RC is also, I said at the start, um, both self-directed and community-driven. And the community-driven aspect, what that means is that RC is kind of fundamentally peer-to-peer uh, in that everyone coming to RC comes from a really diverse range of backgrounds. You know, I mentioned a huge range of skill levels, many different countries. Um, you know, there's a lot of gender diversity, uh, some racial diversity, a lot of diversity in, in viewpoints and interests and perspectives and what people's past work experiences. And what that uh, leads to is that everyone has both different things that they're trying to get out of the experience and also different things that they can bring to the experience. Um, and it also means, I think, that one of the biggest assets that um, that people get from joining RC, both at the retreat and, and uh, be, by being part of the community uh, for years afterwards, is the network, is the rest of the people there. Because you have people who are, um, on the one hand, all very different from each other uh, in, a, in a whole diversity of ways, and on the other hand, um, have both a shared experience and some shared struggles, and that everyone is 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 struggling in different ways with that challenge of directing themselves. Everyone is interested in their own unique uh, kind of based off of their own unique circumstances, how to become better programmers and their own personal growth. Um, and so I think those two things play well nicely together, which is people have a lot that they can get and uh, in terms of support and expertise and knowledge um, and insight from their fellow recursors and also being in a place where 
the norm is people are struggling with the challenges of self-direction and working through that floundering. Um, I think that supports people a lot. Um, additionally, I think a lot of what we try to do to help people with this is in setting up a, um, a positive and uh, supportive and, and uh, kind of productive uh, educational and social environment. So part of how we do that is we have four lightweight social rules. Um, so uh, one of those is no feigning surprise, which is that you shouldn't act surprised when somebody says that they don't understand or they don't know something. Um, and this is something that I think is, uh, is common in a lot of parts of the world, but especially true in a lot of technical and programming communities where somebody will say, oh, uh, who's John Holt? And you oh my gosh, I can't believe you don't even know John Holt, right? He, he coined the term unschooling, you know, how can you, how can you be unschooling? Not even know what John Holt, knew John Holt is, right? Um, you know, feigning surprise has, has no educational or social benefit, right? It may, might, you know, it's mostly, it's one person trying to make themselves feel better about, uh, you know, by putting somebody else down. Yeah. Um, and the result of that is that the person who asked the question is probably going to be less likely to acknowledge when they don't know something in the future or to admit their ignorance um, or to ask a question. Um, and, and same thing for anyone else who saw that interaction. And so we think acknowledging that you don't understand something, you don't know something, or you're not sure about something uh, is a positive, not a negative thing, particularly in an, an educational environment. Uh, not because like it's good not to know things, but because the first step to learning something is acknowledging to yourself and to others that you don't yet understand it or you don't yet know it um, rather than just kind of uh, muddling along and, and acting as though you, you do understand it. Um, and so through our social rules and the kind of general social uh, setup that we set up, um, I think we, we build an environment that makes it easier, uh, not easy, but easier for people to work through those challenges of, uh, of directing themselves. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like you, you guys, you've thought a lot about that, creating that community over the years. I imagine you found, found the things that, that you notice are interfering. Like, I mean, who would think of that? Not feigning, don't feign surprise as a, as a light rule, but what an amazing, what a, what an easy way to say something that can really trip somebody up, right? You know, mm -hmm. when you're on the end of that, like, that's why when we talk about unschooling, we talk so much about creating that environment at home with your, with your kids, right? Where you want them to feel comfortable asking questions, any questions, being okay with not knowing something, you know, this is not related to age, not related to curriculum, anything like that. But just to be curious about something and it's okay to not know it, whatever your age, and to ask questions and engage and learn about it, right? So, yeah, I can see how how that little thing will, would make such a big difference in helping people start to engage and learn the way you're hoping to help them, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think also just um, – I don't think you can kind of overemphasize how much you get almost just for free by – uh, by actually just giving people the space and the time uh, to follow your, their own curiosity. Um, you know, I don't think you get everything, but just people getting to come to RCC and having time in their lives set aside where they can say, okay, what am I interested in? And, and that, you know, that 
that can be uncomfortable at first. And in fact, actually, one of the things that we've um, a piece of feedback we've heard from a number of people is that on the very first day of a, um, we run RCN sessions that we call batches. Um, so on the first day of a batch, we have some welcome talks, we have some meet and greets, um, we have a, a breakfast for everyone, um, and then after everyone kind of comes back from lunch, uh, it's it's basically like every other day of RC, which is they get to decide you know what they're going to do with their time, and so people. Uh, have told us that the moment when they come back from lunch and they sit down and they kind of open up their laptop, they start thinking and that they, that there's like a moment there where they realize, Oh my gosh, like now I have to decide what to do. <laughs> um, I have to decide what to do for the rest of the afternoon or for the rest of my batch. Uh, and that that moment is uncomfortable, uh, but ultimately super important to them. Um, and that I think then once people have that, they, uh, you know, like going back to the, the video game example, right? Like you can start with almost any thread of any interest uh, and pull on that and go, um, you know, and that can unravel into uh, any number of other things, right? In fact, usually uh, the more common problem that people have at RC is that there's that kind of fractal expansion of you uh, you start following something and you get interested in it and you realize that there are four more things from that that are interested and interesting and those things you know lead to four more things each uh, and at the same time you're surrounded by uh, 50 or 60 other people doing that same process uh, and that the real challenge then is there are so many things to be interested in there's so many things to explore how do you stay focused enough to really go in depth on, on things and how do you choose among the kind of countless possibilities of things you can do. Um, and so much to the opposite of the kind of traditional approach in schooling, or I think one of the most uh, uh, damning and terrible things that I think a lot of people take from, from school. And, and so many people told me this after I share that I was unschooled is people really b take the lesson from school or believe like, Oh, well, I wouldn't really learn anything. I wouldn't really do anything unless somebody made me. Um, and uh, people internalize that idea that somehow that was what, you know, that's what makes them do things. And I just don't actually think that's true for almost everyone or possibly everyone. And certainly if you're in an environment that supports you in exploring interests, I think uh, it's not true for people. Yeah, no, that's spectacular. <laughs> uh, it's, it's so true. Like, when I know it comes up quite often on the podcast when we're talking about unschooling is it was something that surprised me. My kids came home in the early grades and um, just how much space and time to get to know yourself and let things bubble up so that you knew what you were interested in. Like, like you're talking about when they show up and it's like, okay, what now? Nobody's telling me what to do right? It's like, what do I want to do? And, and it's amazing how much space and time that can take, like not in a negative way, but like you said, the mm -hmm. thread leads here, that fractal expansion of just like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I, I was, I was given kind of permission to do this one little thing um, on my own time. And then all of a sudden the world opens up, right? It's like, oh, but I could go here and here and here. And that process of, you know, seeing all the possibilities and then deciding on that next step, right? Like, I mean, that it that takes time and it takes starting to learn about yourself, right? 
not only what you're interested in, but you know, how you work, how you like to learn things, how you like to pursue things. It's just, it sounds like such an amazing, you know, 12 weeks of self-discovery really, right? Uh, totally alongside the actual programming learning, right? So mm-hmm. much of that. And, and yeah, we found, I found that so much with unschooling. That's, that's a big piece of, you know, cause once you're starting to unschool with your kids, you realize it's not really about the learning, right? You know, at first, Certainly when you're bringing your kids home from school, as you're first learning about it, it's like, okay, I'm replacing school. We're going to learn, but we're going to learn differently. Not like that. Um, But all of a sudden it becomes so much more than that. And that self-discovery and understanding yourself and, and figuring out ways to choose and the whole, you know, figuring out, is this something I'm interested enough I want to dedicate my time to and the discipline for following? Like, I mean, that is all learning about yourself and figuring out how you want to engage with things, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it, it seems like it takes a lot of time when you think about it in the kind of narrow scope of like figuring out what to do. Um, but when you, you kind of step back and think about what that really means of, you know, figuring out the purpose of your life <laughs> or what is for you, uh, it's, uh, it's not a lot of time, right? And it's just, it's kind of bonkers that, uh, that the standard approach is, well, wait a couple of decades and then start working on that problem. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned um, your first batch of participants and it was, was back, it was 2011, right? When you had your first yes. batch. Yeah. Yep. yep. And then you moved into that, your bigger space there um, last fall. Um, so I was, you've shared a couple of things that participants say about their time there. I just wanted to touch base that, a little bit more and see um, if you had some other experiences uh, that, that you'd like to share the feedback that you get. Um, obviously uh, people, you said they stay engaged with the community after they leave. Um, I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about how your participants are seeing it. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the most uh, gratifying things to me personally is, is hearing the feedback from, from people who have come to RC um, and, uh, we hear a lot of really great kind of superlatives of people saying this was, uh, the most educational period of my life, or this was one of the most meaningful or valuable, um, three, uh, months of my life, or, uh, just simply this was the best three months of my life. We've had a lot of people tell us that, um, and that both they grow a lot as programmers, but also back to your point that there are just a lot of things that people take away from it in terms of how they think about themselves, how they treat other people, how they think about their own learning and their own growth. Um, and really, uh, I think that ties into kind of the other part of your question of people remaining involved in the community is that I think for the people who who really kind of internalize and benefit from that experience at RC of internalizing a lot of our kind of educational ideas and pedagogy, um, that that approach to lifelong learning and continuous growth uh, folds back into remaining involved in the community and, and our motto of never graduate. Um, because, uh, you know, three long, three months is on, on one hand, a, a long time. Certainly it's a, you know, it's a, uh, it's quite a privilege to get to take a three month kind of pause just to focus on your own personal growth and programming. Uh, but it's also a relatively short period of time. Um, and so, 
uh, it's really gratifying and great to see people yeah, remain involved in our community. And what that looks like is um, it's a number of different ways people do that. We have an internal private chat system, which gets at this point, I think 30 to 40,000 messages a month uh, among people in our community. Uh, and that's everything from people supporting each other through, you know, challenges of the workplace or, um, you know, advancing in their careers to people answering, you know, programming questions or reviewing each other's code to uh, just organizing social events, you know, um, is obviously a, a major hub of alums in New York, but also in a lot of other major metro areas around the world. Uh, the biggest ones with, with clusters of recursors now are, you know, uh, San Francisco and Boston and Seattle and Toronto and Montreal and Berlin and London, you know, all have uh, good numbers of recursors who meet up and either program together or just go out for food and drinks and hang out and kind of continue uh, being active and involved in the community that way. Wow. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's, it's amazing to see them. It's like, like you bring them in and you plant a little seed with them. Right. And now you're seeing that grow in the, in all, all across the world as you're starting to see different centers and then them taking that on and taking that out into the world. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank you. And it's interesting you use the, the metaphor of a seed because that's actually, um, we think about our seed mostly as, uh, we like to think about it as more like a biological system or an ecosystem. Um, in contrast to, you know, think of uh, schools as more like a machine or a factory where the aim is to produce an educated, uh, you know, person uh, and where the focus there is on kind of uniformity and consistency. Um, our seed is instead kind of uh, the opposite in that we really rely on diversity, right? Which is that if everyone who came to RC were clones of each other and exactly the same, it wouldn't be a very uh, rich or valuable or fruitful place. Um, you know, the, the value of RC comes, as I was saying before, from it being kind of peer to peer, right? Everyone coming in with different perspectives, different, uh, you know, learning goals, ways that they want to grow as programmers. Um, and so as RC becomes more kind of diverse in the same way, more, you know, biological or ecosystem becomes more diverse, it becomes uh, stronger and kind of more valuable to everyone. Uh, and so we like to think of RC as that, that kind of like, that it is more like maintaining and growing an ecosystem uh, than, you know, a factory where it's, you know, uh, rigidly trying to produce some uh, specific uh, outcome. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah. That's such a, such a great way to, to to explore the difference between them, right? Because those are images that we can pick up really easily, and it really helps to find them. And I, I must say, I do love your never graduate motto, right? Mm-hmm. That's in two words, boom. You just, you know, that really implies uh, what you're trying to achieve with that, right? I mean... It's like lifelong learning right there in a nutshell. It's just you never graduate. We're and and it feels like it's like you were talking about how people come with such different backgrounds, you know, maybe many years of programming experience and somebody with a few months of programming experience, right? It's like it it helps with the realization that we're all learning. We're all continuously learning. We're all, you know, uh um, exactly peers, yeah. you know, versus somebody who's higher up. Gets rid of that hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. And our, the way we think about it is that you know everyone is 
very advanced and well-developed in some areas and still a beginner and still, you know, early on in other areas, right? Yeah. Uh, and so we frequently see that in that people form collaborations where maybe somebody is uh, only six or eight months into learning to program, but is uh, a very accomplished musician. And they're working closely with somebody else who's been programming for 20 years. Uh, and they're collaborating on a project uh, to build, you know, a electronic musical instrument or something like that. Um, and they can both bring a lot to that and also both benefit a lot from each other. Yeah, no, that's a great example. So looking back now, I was just curious uh, what you what you found or what you appreciate most about having grown up unschooling and that way and what that's, you know, brought you brought forward into your life with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think it really comes. But I guess uh, I think it, the, the concrete answer is what um, what we discussed earlier about having the time and space to develop yeah. your interests and follow your natural curiosity. Um, but I think there's actually a kind of underlying assumption that comes before that that's really important, uh, which is the idea of um, respecting young people. Um, and that uh, I think that is really kind of the underlying assumption or, or first kind of important thing about unschooling that leads to so much of the rest of it, uh, which is if you start with, uh, the belief that young people are are people too and are humans um, and are deserving of respect, uh, then it makes sense, of course, to um, provide them space to explore what they're interested in, to not uh, coercively force them into doing things that they don't want to do. Um, and I think so that's both of those things are things that my parents did very well. Um, they, they, definitely had the respect of, uh, of young people kind of first and foremost in their mind. And as a result, uh, gave my sisters and me a lot of room and flexibility to explore what we're interested in. Um, and that then led to my getting to develop my interests in, in programming and computers, uh, which of course has now led to the last uh, <laughs> decade of my life's work and hopefully the next decade. <laughs> so you're enjoying it. I am. Yes. My, my goal is to continue running RC for uh, as long as I possibly can. Well, I wish you all the best with that because, I mean, it sounds like a wonderful place and and just the epitome of what you said, you know, lifelong learners, lifelong learning, and, and you brought, it feels like you brought your whole life kind of with you and plopped it here and just invited other people to come and join <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, so I would very much like to thank you for taking the time to speak to me today. I really appreciate it. It was so interesting to learn. I hadn't until, you know, when I found your website and was reading through it, it was like, wow, what an amazing way to be out in the world and, and help helping people learn really. Right. Because it, what, what a fun way to be able to take, like you said, a sabbatical, a break, and just engage with other people around a shared interest. Like, I mean, that is what we find so much enjoyment in, so much learn. It's where the learning almost happens as a as a byproduct, right, of just this engagement and focus on your interest, 
right? It doesn't doesn't really feel like learning. It feels like I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm just playing with what I enjoy. So I think it's awesome what you've set up there, um, and and how you've managed to maintain that as as free for the participants, and you found funding through the recruiting. Like you brought all those threads together and have made a wonderful RC bundle. <laughs> So thanks very much for sharing that with us. And before we go, um, where's the best pe- place for people to connect with you online and to find out about RC? Uh, so the best place to check out RC is at our website, recurse.com. Um, you can learn all about what we do there. And if anyone, uh, any of your viewers are programmers and whether they've been programming for, you know, four or six months and are self-taught or they have, you know, PhDs in computer science and have been programming professionally for many years. Uh, if they're looking for an opportunity to um, kind of take a break, explore the areas of programming they're really interested in, want to learn more about, I encourage them to check out RC and consider applying. And uh, we have, as I mentioned earlier, need-based grants for uh, women and people from other groups traditionally underrepresented in programming uh, to help make uh, RC even more accessible. Uh, yeah, so, no, that's awesome. Uh, Thanks. Thank you so much for your time today. It's really been my pleasure. I appreciate all of your thoughtful questions. Oh, thank you so much. And I really enjoyed our conversation. Have a wonderful day, Nick. Thank you. You too. Take care. You too. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the second book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Free to Live, Create a Thriving Unschooling Home. In it, I dive into the four characteristics that I found helped unschooling flourish in our home. Curiosity, patience, strong relationships, and trust. One reviewer wrote, Really enjoyed this short and sweet book. It has marvelous one-liners, and though I'm not an underliner, I found myself underlining on every page. Another said, I believe it would benefit any homeschooler or parent to read this book as it re-emphasizes the importance of the relationship between a parent and a child in the learning process. I plan to reread this book. It is rich and full of gems. Give yourself some time to absorb it before rushing into unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.